The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Wanted to tackle this uh, today because we have talked about this before. The federal government is now facing lawsuits over the military's use of mefloquine. It's a controversial anti-malarial drug that was the once was once the go-to drug used by the Canadian forces for its members deploying to regions where malaria posed a health risk, like Rwanda, Somalia, and Afghanistan. But the medication has been shown to have some serious side effects, which Claimants are arguing the military failed to make clear. It's believed the drug may have also played a role in some soldiers taking their own lives. Joining us this afternoon is Paul Miller. He's a lawyer with Howie Sachs and Henry Law Firm, who is representing the former soldiers who have filed the suit. Paul, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. All right. You know what? We've uh, we've talked about this uh, a couple of times on this show in the past by different with different organizations who uh, you know have been really waving the red flag about the use of this drug um, over the years. Um, for those who don't know right now, though, Paul, can you can you give us an, a little bit of background on when was it used and for how long? Sure. Um, what we know is that the Canadian forces. Uh, the military started using it in 1992 as an anti-malarial. When they started using it with our military when they went to Somalia, mefloquine had not been uh, approved in Canada yet. They were allowed to use it as part of a clinical trial for Hoffman-LaRoche, who was the manufacturer. Hoffman-LaRoche gave them specific criteria to run the clinical trial with the soldiers. While they were in Somalia, the clinical trial protocol was not followed by the military, and that came out during, I believe, the Somalia inquiry. Hmm. Okay. So, for how long was it used for after that? Um, the the military kept using it as their first line defense to uh, malaria at, up until about 2016, and maybe even into 2017. Yeah, I know. You know what, Paul? I'm a, I'm an honorary colonel in the Air Force, and I was supposed to go to Mali uh, last September and needed to take uh, malaria medication. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, was prescribed something other than this now. Um, I never ended up going, and it's whatever that medication is now sitting in my in my fridge. Uh, when you talk about these side effects, um, and, and there are actually some horrific side effects that we've been hearing from numerous people, especially over the past number of years. Um, can you get into a little bit of detail about that and and what some of these folks have been dealing with um, since taking this drug? Sure. Um, typically, the side effects, the basic side effects are anxiety, paranoia, insomnia, sleep apnea, and then you get for some different side effects, and, and that includes tinnitus, which is the ringing of the ears, yeah. paresthesia, which is the numbness and tingling of the extremities, gastrointestinal issues, and then you get into the real frightening ones, uh, the hallucinations and the vivid dreams. Mm. And I, I say they're horrific, and it's really hard to describe and understand if you've never had them. And the reason I say that is I have sat with veterans and active military personnel who I consider much, much tougher than I am. Mm -hmm. And these are strong people. I had a former officer in my office, and I asked him to describe the dreams. And he started picking at tissue back and forth in his hands, started to speak, stuttered, and just started to break down and fell into his girlfriend's shoulder, weeping. This is not what I expected, and he just said he couldn't describe it. Others have told me they will just email me 
They just can't bring themselves to talk about it out loud. And I said, and I said, well, without telling me what happened, why? And they all say the same thing. It's the vividness of the dream. It is like 3D. It's nothing that you've ever experienced before. And when, when veterans start acting this way, like this is not made up. This is so real and they get so emotional and it is heartbreaking to watch them. These are people that defended our country who volunteered mm-hmm. to defend us. And we are and now our government is has turned their back on them on this issue. It is heartbreaking. Paul Miller joining me this afternoon. Before we get to the government uh, part, because I do want to certainly talk to you about about that. How have we, I mean, you know, some of the uh, Somalia, Rwanda, Afghanistan, we know about uh, the number of PTSD cases um, that have been diagnosed um, in, in our soldiers and in our, in our men and women who have served in those locations. How has it been distinguished or differentiated between PTSD and the use of methylquin? So there is no question, uh, based on experts that we have spoken to, that people will have PTSD and be suffering from mefloquine toxicity. How can we decipher it? And, and, and what they tell me is you just need, you need to do is you need to dig deep. You need to find out, did these individuals have a horrific incident when the dream started. A lot of times, these dreams and nightmares start within the first dose of methylquine. Really? That's the first sign that that it is becoming... And, and one of the key points is that Hoffman LaRoche yeah. provided in their side effects that if you suffer from these symptoms, you must discontinue immediately. And the military never advised our soldiers on that. So that's one thing. The tinnitus, the gastrointestinal, along with the paresthesia, are telltale signs that it's not just PTSD. And that's very key. The other thing is, we have had clients who have been being treated for 14, 16 years for PTSD with absolutely no success. Mm. Uh, Antidepressants are contraindicated if you're suffering from methylquine toxicity. So you give someone who has a combination of this, they have a bad reaction and it gets no better. That's how you can start teasing it out. The problem is our, our Veterans Affairs and our government does not recognize methylquine toxicity as a problem or a recognized ailment. So, Paul, I want to I wanna, you know, touch on that. What discussions have um, been had uh, what have you have you had any luck trying to talk to any uh, government officials anyone from veterans affairs anyone you know along the you know the the past number of governments um, that, um, that we've had no we, we've had no discussion as of yet um, we believe they are very well aware of what we've been doing as we've been crossing the country doing town hall meetings I did. I actually was with one of my clients at Veterans Affairs on another matter, and we were talking about methylquine toxicity. And this individual said, "The fact that Australia mm-hmm. has now recognized mm-hmm. it is encouraging for Canada because they only follow Australia, New Zealand. That's the extent of any conversation. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. You know, with, because of an election that we're facing in October." 
I'm not sure how much this government will want to engage because we might have a new government in, yeah. in a few months. So it's, it's hard to say where we're going to go in the next few months. We're, we're, we're hoping that we can engage in some discussion. Um, I know there were, uh, there were Veterans Affairs Standing Committee questions uh, this past week. Um, and I know a number of the experts that were speaking there, and we'll see uh, if anything comes of that. Well, but, one of the problems, too, of course, is that there's just been a rotating door at Veterans Affairs over the past yeah. number of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so, and, and here's the thing that we're, we're hopeful for. It doesn't matter now if a minister keeps changing, because we have the litigation. They will end up, we have been contacted by close to 1,500 people since December 10th. Wow. And this is gaining more and more momentum as we get more uh, information out there. And social media has been a wonderful tool. So the first wave of um, of um, um, claims have been put in. I think you, I think you have eight that you're representing yeah. right now. So seeking more than ten million dollars each. Yeah. Um, how many are you, are you are you expecting? I mean, is this going to continue to grow and grow and grow? This could take forever, Paul. Yeah, um, it could. Um, you know, it's it's a situation where uh, we expect a couple thousand people. We, I mean, we want to just get a couple cases out to sort of see where the government's at, and we will proceed to start okay. filing many, many claims. We will probably uh, file uh, 100 or so in the next month to six weeks. It, it's just a matter of us, you know, getting the time to put it down on paper. Uh, but we wanted to get the process started, and, and if we can engage in discussions, because hopefully, and I, I, my, my goal for these folks, men and women, is that they are compensated in a way that they don't have to deal with veterans affairs to get treatment for methylcrine toxicity. Mm. That they will have money to determine where and when they want to get treatment. If they want to go to the States, they'll have the money. Every time they have to go through veterans affairs and things get denied, it re-injures them in a way psychologically that's just unfair. Do you know what the treatment is for methylcrine toxicity? You know, there's, there's no set treatment, though. A lot of it has to do with diet, caffeine, um, some types of medications are tending to work in certain situations, but there's no definite, there's no pill you can take at this point. Yeah. Uh, because it's a, it is, from my understanding, it's a brainstem injury, and mm. so they have to treat it almost like a brainstem injury if it was physical in nature. Wow. Okay. Uh, Paul Miller joining me this afternoon. Uh, Paul, before I let you go, um, do we believe that there have been suicides because of this drug? Yes. Um, uh, I, I met with uh, Scott Smith's mom, who uh, Scott Smith was uh, uh, a veteran who was serving in Rwanda in Christmas 1994. He had spoken to his mother um, on Christmas, and they were talking about his discharge in six weeks and his plans, and two or three hours later, he killed himself. Uh, his mother is convinced that it's from mefloquine. There's very good. There's a very good idea that it is based on some accounts. Um, there are a number of other people that I've talked to. They say, like, obviously, you're getting it from spouses. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brad Elms, um, Sherry Elms is, is one of the initial plaintiffs out. Um, she is a, a, a wonderful woman who has a pharmaceutical background uh, in pharmacology, and, and she has studied this very, very closely and, mm. and believes that that methylquine played a part in her husband taking his own life.
And it's, you know, it's individual. Not everybody who takes a medication or whatever, you know, suffers. It's, it's you know, it's not a, it's not a, yeah, wow. No, I mean, we're looking at, I mean, it, it, there's too big of a minority of people that are suffering, though. And yeah. that's the key. It's not a majority. You know, this, this drug is effective for probably for 80, 85% of the people. But, you know, if it's 10 or 15% that suffer like this, that's too much. Yeah. When there were alternatives to give them. Especially if you followed the side effect, the the, the process set up by the uh, manufacturer that discontinue if you're suffering from these side effects. If you don't know to discontinue, you can't. Yeah. Paul, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon and uh, for taking this on. And you can be sure we'll be watching very closely. Of course, Edmonton, a very, very big military community. And I can Absolutely. see by my text line uh, the number of, of uh, texts coming in about this as well, that people are paying close, close attention to it. Thank you for this, Paul. My pleasure, anytime. All right, take care now. That's Paul Miller, lawyer, partner at uh, Howie Sachs and Henry LLP. Um, and lawyer, and, 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 and Paul is representing some former soldiers uh, who are now seeking more than $10 million each. Uh, these veterans saying their lives were destroyed by mefloquine, again, an anti-malarial drug. Um, you talk about these vivid dreams, and I was reading a news article today, and I have it in front of me, and it was talking about... Um, there was a fellow um, by the name of um, Sergeant uh, Schumann who had taken mefloquine in Afghanistan, and he was um, at a town hall recently in Kingston, and he was talking about these vivid, vivid dreams in this news article, and he said it was he had one of suicide that almost cost him his life. He said, quote, in this news article, I attempted suicide in my dream. I remember taking my sidearm, cocking the action, chambered around, and put the barrel in my mouth. He says, he pulled the trigger in a dream that he was unknowingly acting out in real life. Goes on to say, my fire team partner was beside me in the bed space and he heard me cock the action on my C7. Here I was standing there with a chambered round on the edge of my cot getting ready to spin spin the rifle around. He, um, this sergeant, says he plans to add his name to the, um, to, the, to the lawsuit saying his life has been destroyed. He can't sleep. He has seizures. He has tingling in the limbs and night terrors. Uh, again, um, we'll be watching it. Uh, a lot of folks are. Brad is on the phone right now. Is called in at four nine six zero zero six three. And Brad, you're going through some testing right now to see if the symptoms that you're having are linked to mefloquine. That is correct. Okay. So when did you serve, Brad? I served from uh, nineteen eighty nine to two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. When did you take it? 2001 in East Africa. Wow. Okay. And do you remember? Tell us about your experience with it, Brad. Uh, vivid dreams. Uh, vivid. I feel like you're wide awake and and things are happening. It's like you're awake in your dream. Like they're so amazingly vivid. It's incredible. It just blows your mind how, how vivid those dreams are really um yeah uh i've been diagnosed with since with ptsd uh you know multiple physical injuries um but um things aren't um i'm still undiagnosed in a lot of them Mm -hmm. and i'm still trying to get the diagnosis in it i get very painful painful hands uh 
pins and needles tingling that are nausea-inducing. Wow. Um, my body has control issues. I have one cold, uh, dry foot, one wet, warm foot. Huh. Uh, freaks my massage therapist right out. <laughs> Uh, my hands do it too, or my arms do it. Pins and needles tingling in the extremities. Um, so, so Brad, how do you try to get this diagnosed? You know, we were talking with Paul Miller, and he's saying, you know, trying to get anything with Veterans Affairs, as we know, that has been tough on so many levels, on so many different issues. So how do you oh, yeah, get this diagnosed, Brad? Uh, fighting with doctors, arguing with doctors, pushing doctors, going over doctors' heads to see other doctors. Um, booking testing on your own, um, that's, that's pretty much how you do it. And, uh, uh, and it's gotta be so frustrating. And when you, (laughs) when you tell them about mefloquin and mefloquin toxicity, do they just kind of look at you like, yeah, whatever? Yes. Really? A lot of our doctors up here are not from Canada. Uh, a lot of them are South African and a lot of them are coming out of, uh, East Asia and they have a lot of experience in malaria drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, they have their protocols and everything down in those countries. So here we don't deal with malaria drugs. And um, it's like the, the, pro- the protocols for the drug were not followed in the military. We weren't told if you have these vivid dreams, stop taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, Was it like a pill every day, once a week sort of thing? Once a week. Once a week. Yep. Wacky Wednesdays. Wacky Wednesdays. I've heard that term before, Brad. I'm afraid. Um, so, yep. so, what are you going to do now? Are you are you watching this lawsuit? Are you are you? I actually, I've actually joined the lawsuit. Have you? Yes. Brad, I want to uh, say thank you first off for calling in and and sharing your story. I want to thank you very much for your service. And I'm sorry that this has happened to you and that you're going through this and this fight, this ongoing fight that so many of our veterans seem to have (laughs) to get any sort of treatment on, as I said, so many different issues. Um, Will you keep us updated, Brad? We have your phone number now. Will you keep us updated? Um, And uh, I'm going to drop you an email and I'm going to give you my email address to keep us uh, up to date on. because I was just down in Sherwood Park doing vestibular testing on Monday, uh, which was my second attempt at it, which I failed miserably. That's for your uh, dizziness and vertigo, yeah, uh, your inner inner ear kind of deal. Um, Stop. And that's that's a symptom of it as well. And I'm failing that miserably. I've got to go back for a final attempt at finishing it. Mm. Brad, I'm, I'm out of time here. I could talk to you all afternoon, but again, thank you for this. Keep us updated. We'll stay in touch and, uh, sure thing, you know, keep fighting this, uh, this, this tough fight. And I, and, and I wish it was easier for you. And I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we, you know, wave the flag on this one and get the information out of there. Um, you know, hopefully someone sooner or later is going to play some bloody damn attention to it. Okay. Hopefully somebody will. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Jay.